No. Join our podcast conversations as we share ideas, insights, and information that will educate, inform, and inspire. We will blend our knowledge of online safety and emotional awareness to help you have a better understanding of your kids' online world and their emotional responses and well-being. Sarah, so great to see you again. It is great to see you too and to hear you. And you too. Do you know the last time we saw each other? Go, quiz. In the summer for lunch. Wonderful cafe. No, wonderful patio. Uh, mm-hmm. Awesome meal. Uh, mm-hmm. Somewhere in kitchen. Was Great it? conversation. Awesome conversation. The meal was good, <laughs> but the conversation was amazing. So yes. I can't believe how time has flied. Um, I'm glad to be back and uh, creating another podcast with you. What's the topic, Sarah? Is cell phone addiction really a thing? Is it really a thing? I mean, we hear throwing around, you're addicted to your cell phone. And is it really a thing? You know, I guess it depends who you talk to. But I'm going to read, you know what I thought would be interesting for the purpose of this podcast was to read mm-hmm. some actual definitions and then we can work on that. But before I read the definitions, I'm going to share with you how, from how many people I've heard the term cell phone addiction. Number one, countless of DMs from parents on my Facebook page asking for guidance because their child is addicted to their phone. I've heard nurses in the ER saying, they have patients addicted to their devices. When they took it away for a specific reason, the way they responded, they used the word addicted. Educators across North America, therapists, massage therapists, who said, Paul, I won't forget, there's one lady in Markham. She said, I have one patient that comes in, can't put their phone down while they're getting massage. No. Social workers. Yes. I can't handle what you just said right there. I have to stop you right there. So if you're getting a massage... But I can see if you get an emergency call or text, right? Like, oh my goodness, my kid's at school and I got to keep my phone on me just in case because the school's calling back or something. Yep. But to have a massage and get on your phone at the same time, that's not relaxing. Anyway, sorry, I I can't even visualize that. So keep going. (laughs) Well, let me give you the visual because it was given to me. So you know the headrest you put in? So the head's adjusted so you can actually look through and the phone was right below them. And it wasn't an adult, it was a teenager who came, who came in on a regular basis and it was a teenager. So I've heard it from literally everyone. Now, is it accurate to say, well, you know what, with all the stories I've heard and the definition that I'm about to read to you, we could attribute to it. So let's first go to the Merriam Webster definition. And here's a definition of addiction, a compulsive, chronic, physiological, or psychological need for a habit-forming substance, behavior, or activity having harmful physical, psychological, or social effects and typically causing well-defined symptoms such as anxiety, irritability, tremors, or nausea upon withdrawal or abstinence. Then I found one from Camp H. Addiction is also used to explain the experience of withdrawal when a substance or behavior, example, gambling, is stopped. Example, I must be addicted to coffee. I get a headache when I don't have a cup in the morning. However, experiencing enjoyment or going through withdrawal do not in themselves mean a person has an addiction. So based on those two, can we say that there is such a thing? Like I said, I'm not the expert in defining or basically telling someone, yes, your child is addicted. 
And based on what I just read, combined with what I hear, you could throw that into the conversation. I have used overconsumption. And overconsumption of the device can lead to certain outcomes when the device is taken away. So are mm. there strategies? Once we get to that point in the conversation, I'll talk about strategies. Have I seen it where parents are concerned? Yes. Where professionals are concerned? Yes. And you know what? I know you've seen it as well. Absolutely. So I found a little information that I find very interesting. And it's that Google Trends say it's rising. The trend is rising to research is cell phone addiction or is cell phone, can it be an addiction? So that's an actual a Google trend that you know people are searching this. They're interested. Like, can can I be addicted to my cell phone? So I found that piece of information. So people are either noticing it within themselves or they're noticing it within a child and actually searching that. That's pretty interesting. I never thought about to look. To, I never mm -hmm. thought to look for that. That is really interesting. So people are actually self-reflecting and now asking, "Do I have an issue?" That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Or does my, or does my kid or does my spouse or does, yes. and you know, what's interesting too. And you, you touched on this is when the cell phone becomes a, and I'm going to word it a bit different, but a trigger for an emotion. So yes. that could be, I don't have my phone and now I'm triggered to feel you know anxious or I'm feeling um, sad and I'm angry that I forgot it. Or can I just get over it and say, okay, I forgot my phone? Or is it becoming hindering like for the rest of my day because right. I forgot my phone? And, and let's, let's put work aside. Let's pretend, you know, we're not talking about people who work on their phone. We're just talking about people who socialize on their phone because there is this conversation about young people socializing on their phone. So it's becoming hindering when they're in real life situations. And so if your main area of socialization is through your phone, think about when you forget it. It's like tr triggering so many more emotions than just someone who's like, oh, I forgot my phone. I, you know, I, I can use somebody else's just to give a quick call if there's an emergency, but I'm good. No, it's like the phone's so much more. It's like I have forgot my lifeline. And so that triggers way more emotions. Let me ask you, um, have you ever forgot your phone? And if so, how did you respond? Because I have an answer because you know, I've actually forgotten it a few times. But I'm curious as to how you respond. Now, in context, you're a mom, heavily involved with your son in school, in activities. Um, obviously, at home, you have a partner. Like All these come into play. So when I ask you, how does it impact you? You have to, I think everyone is different, right? In oh, terms for of sure. What is their life like right now? Because that can direct the response. So how do you think you would respond with, you're a mom, you run a business, you have a kid. What, how do you respond? Oh, I'd be so annoyed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but annoyed, but annoyed you can get over. Exactly. So that's what I would be. I would be annoyed and I'd okay. be frustrated that I forgot it. Okay. Uh, but I, I, I could move through 
whatever it is. I could, you know, a phone and say to say my husband, you know what, if you're trying to get hold of me, I forgot my phone. I'm using somebody else's phone. Actually, that has happened to me before. <laughs> I forgot my phone and I used um, somebody at the, my gym's phone to phone him to say, just in case you're, you know, I, I have errands to run, I won't be available. <laughs> but I was annoyed. I forgot it, but it didn't wreck the rest of my day. See, okay, so you can deal with it, and I'm in the same boat. I have forgotten my device at home. And one of the stories I tell kids when I travel and I do business, I have four smartphones. I tell them I can't get into wide. But although I have technology because of what I do and the projects I do, if I were ever to leave without my primary device, it does not turn my day upside down. I'm, I'm not talking about the other devices that are used for business and for projects. I've actually left the home on a Saturday where I wouldn't carry my, all my devices with me without my primary device, which is for my family to get in touch with me or an email from obviously one a principal that we deal with. It does not bother me in the bit. I will get upset myself and think, how did I forget that? Am I losing my mind? But you know what? I continue driving and I'll continue right. doing my errands. And I know that if my family tries to call me, guess what? The phone will ring at home. They're like, dad forgot his phone. It does not disrupt my day. It doesn't throw me off. It basically makes, makes, makes you question, how did I forget that? Because you're so mm -hmm. used to taking with you but i do not stop turn around of course if i'm going on a really long drive yes i may be forced to turn back and grab it because i'm using google maps or something else but does it disrupt me absolutely not in fact one of the things i tell you know every time i speak to students is disconnect it's okay it's therapeutic it well when um, you're, you hit the nail on the head one time i forgot my phone and i was annoyed but i felt really good because I disconnected from my phone. That's why I'm springboarding off what you just said. And I connected mm -hmm. to what the real life situation was. Like it was right. mindfully, more mindfully in the moment. So forgetting my phone became a gift. But if I would have got so caught up in the emotions around forgetting my phone, I wouldn't have been able to focus and be present for the rest of the, the time. Okay. So now having said that, so that's the trigger. You forgot it. It could disrupt your drive. You might make some poor choices because your mind is always on it. Does that go down the path of, I think I'm addicted or I think I'm dependent on this device? Mm. I think it goes down the path of I'm way too dependent on it. Yes. And I think we have mm -hmm. to become less dependent. We have to become more self-sufficient without right. always the need of that convenience. Like my daughter sent me a joke not too long ago and she said, Dad, when you tell me to go somewhere, give me the address because I'm the type of that guy that, that would say, okay, when you're going down this street, hang a left and go south. And shoot. Dad, don't say any of that. Just give me the directions. And I said, <laughs> what happens? So give me the address. What happens when your phone dies? You forget it. Do you know north, south, east, west? You know the name of the street? Do you know what going right and going south and going north is? And we had a really deep conversation because I okay. can. I absolutely I can. That you're even saying this. You know why I love that you're saying this? My dad used to talk to me all the time about north, south, east, and west. <laughs> and I said, and I said to him one day, at, and this is in high school, I said, Dad, I don't know. You know what? He's like, What are they teaching you in school if you don't know north, south, east, and west? Like, never eat shredded wheat. I'm like, Yeah, but I don't. He, and he was just like, This is. This needs to be yeah. basic knowledge. <laughs> okay, but okay. So now, with that basic knowledge, is why I'm not disheveled. So mm -hmm. I can make it the point. And you know, in the back of my mind, okay, emails coming in, I'll get to them. But I'm a person who everyone who deals with me knows. And Sarah, I know you. 
got to know me for doing this. And I don't do it intentionally, but you know that I don't respond right away. I, if I'm not looking at my phone, I don't know that Sarah Westbrook is texting. So for those listening, Sarah can text me. She can DM me on Twitter. She can email me. Like she has a lot of ways to get in touch with me and I with her. But I think she got to know after, well, he doesn't respond right away. That, no, you don't. And actually, that's another podcast that we need to, to, to okay. bring up. <laughs> Paul Davis is my not responds right away. <laughs> And I'm frustrated with him because that annoys me. He's, igno- not- no, he's ignoring me. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. I'm not. But everyone who gets to know me says, yeah. okay, if he's not, there's a reason. Perhaps yes. he didn't get the notification. Perhaps he's doing a presentation. Perhaps he's spending time with his family. So when people get to know that of you, all, and, and there are many things that come in that are very, very important, which we can get to. But in my life, it's I will get to it. I promise I'll be respectful and get to it. It's just not going to happen instantaneously. When I'm driving, and if you text me, sir, I'm not responding until I get to a full, complete stop. I look at my device. Oh, Sarah has texted me. But if I leave without it, people will know. You don't know I've left without it, obviously. But my whole point is that it does not dishovel my day. So when I look at myself and how I use, and I have so much, and I'm privileged to have so much technology, it does not dominate my life i can disconnect i disconnect when i go on vacation with my family i don't check social media i don't pick up my device and if i can discipline myself to do it um, i know we all can and the reason i say that is because i don't know if you notice on one of my facebook postings i made an observation weeks ago of a group of teenagers that were communicating with each other i believe it was in a mall and the number of times they went to their phones, there's nothing there. It was strictly a habit. Pick it up, nothing there, go back to talking. Still talking, pick it up, go there. It's almost a compulsive, what's happening? Let it go. Your, your human friends are in front of you. Respect them, appreciate them. But that tells me perhaps that's an over, okay, might not be overconsumption, but definitely going down the path of an addiction that you have to check that device mm-hmm. on a regular basis, even though the people you're talking to are right in front of you. Well, I think too, and and, and th- this could be an interesting bit of research, but for example, if you're out at a restaurant with your spouse and they're on their phone and it's not maybe it's you know maybe there are times where it's like oh I'll quickly look that up for you or let me check that email it's like it's part of the conversation but Mm -hmm. I'm talking about not when it's part of the conversation they're just on their phone and it's distracting them we have to look at okay so how's the other person feel so I would say people around you our age and older would feel as though well you're distracted like we're here together Whereas I'd say that age group, you know, teenagers, they're all doing it. So no one's taking it personal. So they're all, so there's no reason to second guess your choice because it's, you're like, we're all checking our phones. We're all checking our snap. We're all checking our, so that would be an interesting shift in how it is perceived, how it's perceived. I believe the older age groups is very different than how it's perceived in preteen teens maybe even young 20s. And I, I wanted to bring up something that you you mentioned. You said they were checking their phone and you mm-hmm. had noticed like there was nothing, there was no like alert that they needed to check. Mm-hmm. So I, I found these three 
points that I'm going to share with you. Pretty interesting. I think people will find it. So it's called phantom vibrations, which is feeling that your phone is alerting you, but it's not. So you either feel it or maybe you hear a ding, but you check it and there's nothing there. I have to write raise that your down, hand Sarah. if you've ever had that happen. I literally have had that happen, Paul. I have <laughs> I have had that happen. So that's that's something for me to be uh, aware of. I've like heard the ding, and I'm like, no, that wasn't my phone. And, okay, so the term, just to interrupt one. you, sorry, it's called phantom vibrations. Yes, it might have been a bit longer than that. Phantom, okay. but I'm kind of I'm looking it up. It. Phantom vibrations. Okay, the other one was. And I could be pronouncing this wrong, but textophrenia, which is fear you can't send or receive texts. I've never textophrenia. <laughs> okay, so these might okay. not be real things, but this is what I found. Okay? okay, this is what I found in an article. Okay. So you, everyone can do their own research, but these were okay. There's one more, and it's called nomophobia. Fear of going without your phone. Like, so you don't have your phone. So Nomophobia. I, I can subscribe <laughs> to that one. I absolutely subscribe to the first one, although I've never really heard it. But yes, um, I've heard it in context that people have done that. The second one, the fear of not being able to send or receive a text, that that's deep because that tells me there's something... Look, we can use devices in cases of emergencies. We can dial 911. But how bad must it be that you are fearful of not being able to send or receive a text? Because, I mean, let's just be honest. Depending on, and I, you know, you and I travel, there are parts of our province you don't get reception very well. So you might not be getting um, texts. You might get the unable to send right now until a better connection, right? Uh, I'm okay with that, but I've, I understand that. It doesn't impact me, but the fact that that is actually a term is concerning. Well, I wonder if it goes back to, so if we look at the emotions attached to, so if I get a text from somebody mm -hmm. and it's a text I'm really excited about, maybe I've been invited somewhere. So now it creates that happiness within me. Like, oh, I'm getting this. And if if I think I might have got that text, but I my phone's not receiving texts, now I might feel anxious about the possibility of not getting the text that says I'm invited to that thing. So really it's the emotions that's caught up in this whole tangled of your phone. It's become this, 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 this social yeah. emotional piece. But I think we have to go back to the whole premise of texting. Texting was a simplified form of communication between one party and another to get a brief point across. So you don't use texting like social media to write a long post. You're not writing a book. Although uh, I know someone who speaks into her phone and will speak and literally there's a paragraph coming in. A text, you know, especially when you and I communicate is very specific. Um, hey, Wait till you see my text soon after this. Oh boy. It'll, <laughs> it'll, it'll come in different parts. So I'm not looking when, if a text comes in, it's, usually a specific request it can be business related it could be hey we need to speak about something but it's not a paragraph i don't seek validation i'm not looking for is, does the world care about me it is a form of communication that's replaced See, okay you've hit call. the nail on the head you've hit the nail right now on the head 
it's not your version of validation. Right. So, you know, and, and like we said, we're not scientists around this research, but there, there, that, that research has been done about dopamine, that that's that excite, you're happy, you're joyful. And that's released when you, you know, get a text or you see all those likes on Instagram or TikTok, and that, you know, that fuels you because it's part of your validation. Oh my goodness. People like me. So I think what it comes down to is really being mindfully aware that your cell phone and your social media can't be part of your self-esteem and your self-worth. That's yeah, exactly. And teaching our kids that and modeling that to our kids. And it's easy to get caught up in it. Even and I, and I know that even for myself as an adult, knowing information, but saying, oh, you know, oh, you really liked that post. Now it's one thing to look at information and say, okay, on a business level, people liked that post. They must like that content. Okay, I'll do more of that. But to then actually attach it to your, your self-worth becomes a very dangerous, slippery slope especially as a teen, because we know, and you've seen this many times where people type out of emotions, right? And they impact people's social media and their, their posts. And if I receive that negative post and I make it about my belief of myself, well, now that's impacting not only my self-worth, but my emotional state more mm-hmm. anxious, even lead to depression. I mean, that, you know, really mindfully teaching our kids that this is not part of your self-worth. And that comes with a lot of boundaries and and information. I have a saying that I posted many, many years ago, which is don't define your self-worth based on the number of likes and followers you have. Mm-hmm. You're better than that. Mm. You're, you know, and when I posted that, uh, the reason I created that was back in 2017. I just can't remember the month. I was walking into a high school, and I always ask the principals at the beginning, "Okay, um, what am I uh, dealing with? What are you dealing with?" That you know, I can slip into the presentation, address it, you know, without being specific. He said, "Paul, one of the most unique things that's ever happened is a grade nine student had walked into his office and was beyond distraught, and the reason." Because something that this student had posted did not get an expected amount of likes in an expected amount of time. And I looked at him. He looked at me. He said, that's one of the issues. And I thought to myself, not only are you expecting amount of likes, you've given a time frame. And if it hasn't met that, you're distraught. 2017. And I think that's sad. Because... And you know... Go ahead. No, no, keep going. Because that kid, and I won't never forget grade nine, has four more years ahead of them in high school where we have to try and make that person a better human being, knowing that what they do, like you always said, Sarah, is good enough. You don't have to be there to impress anybody else. You don't have, your status is not based on the amount of likes and the amount of sorry and the time you get those likes. But for mm-hmm. that child to go and open up, which, you know, I'm glad they did because obviously they got some counseling after that. I find that sad because that's not how our world revolves. I know mm-hmm. 
you and I are on social media, but we run businesses and we can gauge what our audience for adults may want to see or for students. Now, if something doesn't get a like, I don't get upset. If something gets a thousand likes, okay. I don't sit back and say, wow, that's amazing. It's great that it impact, but it does not ever, ever emotionally connect with me. Never. And I promise you, it never will. You know, so it's interesting too to go back to that story you just shared about the the student who said they didn't get this many likes in this amount of time. One thing I would ask that student, and this is hopefully going to be helpful for a parent, guardian, or educator listening, or anyone who works with kids, take a piece of paper, have the child write out what happened. So in this case, it would be what happened was I did a post. It didn't get enough likes in this amount of time. Okay. So that's just facts. That's what happened. Then I'd have them on the other side of the piece of paper, write out, what am I making that mean? What story am I telling myself about that? What thought am I saying to myself about what happened? Because this will give you insight because then the, student or the child could say, I'm making it mean and the story I'm creating, however you want to word it, you know, this, the, the person you're speaking with best is that I'm not good enough and nobody likes me. Or they could say, I'm making it mean that the content that I'm developing is not what people vibe with, or I'm making it mean like, and they can keep going. But what is interesting is not just asking them what happened, but what story are you creating about what happened? Because that's going to tell you their perspective of what happened. And if they're making it, if they're doing anything that, or creating, sorry, any kind of story in their head that makes them less than because of not getting enough likes, you're going to instantly know that it's directly impacting their self-esteem, their self-work, maybe even their identity. And then you can go in deeper and say, okay, so what emotion does that trigger for you? If the child's like, I don't know, show them a sheet of emotions. I mean, email me, I'll send you one, have them point. Well, I start to feel embarrassed or I start to feel anxious or I start to get sad or angry. Okay. So, Now we need to look at helping the child work through the emotion that has been triggered within their body, in their brain. Okay, so now we're, we're, okay, so you're you're feeling angry about, okay, so we're going to move through that, whatever that is, if it's deep breathing, writing. And then we're going to ask them, what's a different story you could create about what happened? Right. Well, I could make it, I could say, you know, uh, maybe no one saw it within that time frame and it has nothing it's 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 not about the content it's about the timing or maybe i could make it mean that i can do something different with my time and i'm still enough as a person even if i don't get as many likes you know you and and what they start to see is through this exercise that they can shift their mindset by shifting how they perceive a circumstance, what they tell themselves about something that happened and what you tell yourself impacts your emotional state. So this goes, this goes back to uh, is cell phone really an addiction? 
is it really an addiction or is it about that, you know, there's boundaries that we can set and there's an emotional attachment that's happening when those boundaries aren't set and there's a conversation in their brain that's happening. And so maybe that's the addiction. Maybe it's the emotional state that's the addiction. And I don't know. I that just to... brings in something, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I want to bring it back to that because I thought, okay, um, if the individual didn't feel the need to have to pick up the device and post something because whatever triggered, perhaps it could have been a better day because this occurred in the school. It right. could have been a better day, but the individual felt the need to pick up the device, take a picture, make a post, make a comment, and maybe there was that, that, that connection. So mm -hmm. I agree with you. When it comes to smartphone usage, number one, self-regulate and set mm -hmm. boundaries. Number two, turn off all social media notifications. Mm -hmm. If you want to look at your phone less, turn off all notifications. I even mm -hmm. say that to kids. Go to your phone when you have the chance. Don't have your phone lure you to it because of that blinking light. Mm -hmm. uh, last month, no, we're still actually in October technically. This month I started the no notification challenge. For schools, I want to adopt it. I said one week, turn off all notifications, except, of course, for, you know, if it's a text message from your parents, someone important. But every social media platform, disable. Every text platform, unless, of course, emergencies, disable. Go to it when you have the opportunity. Don't have it bring you. And I think that can help with regulation. Yes. And number three, do what I do, which is... Let everyone know you will get back to them because you care so much, but it just may not be instantaneously. Mm -hmm. And then do we have to have this conversation about, you know, is it an addiction? Possibly not because then the phone will become what it was meant to be, a communication tool, a convenience for uh, communication uh, other than making a phone call. Perhaps it's text messaging. Posting something to share about our lives. It is a tool, but we should not be dependent on it. And I think we've gone down the path of dependency, where in some cases, because the net result is, as defined by the dictionary term, there is um, a physical response to it, then yes, you can classify that as an addiction. But we can avoid that. We can avoid it completely. How? Mm -hmm. Self-regulation. And that's up to us now. Let's just be honest. Kids don't have that. So we have a responsibility as parents to make sure it happens. And once they fall into that regulatory state, they'll be better off for it. But remember, mm -hmm. they may fall back into, you know, always going to it because their surroundings are doing it. But then mm -hmm. we have to help them back. So we cannot expect kids to do it. And number two, and then this is where we're going to have to kind of wrap it up. We have to model the same behavior that we expect our kids. So how about mm -hmm. we as parents put down our devices, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they don't exist because remember, someone once told me, your phone at the table tells the other parties that that device is more important than they are. So let's- Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, you know, I say that sometimes. I get looks from parents because they're doing it, but I'm being honest with them, right? Because mm -hmm. think about how the other person feels. Absolutely. So yeah. We have, no, it's we have something to model that mm -hmm. And if we do that, you know what? Our devices, which are amazing, which I love, won't dominate our lives. That's the whole objective of this conversation is making sure 
that they don't dominate our lives. And there's more to than checking someone's Instagram post, always checking, you know, I'm going to look that up. The phantom vibration where you're at a point where you think it happened. This is fascinating. Yeah. You think it happened and it really didn't. But it didn't. But it didn't happen. No, and I and I love that 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 whole idea is: is your phone controlling you, or are you yeah. controlling your phone? Yeah, that's right. And you know, and I, as we end, I just want to say, and this is this is you know me being completely honest. The other night, I was I went on my my Instagram just to check a few things. Didn't even realize I'd been on there 25, 30 minutes. For me, it literally felt like eight minutes. My husband's like, Sarah, what are you doing? And I thought I was just quickly checking the video. He's like, it's been like 25 minutes, 30 minutes. It That can happen too. So allowing somebody else to also hold you accountable and say, and then you can say, oh my gosh, I totally didn't even realize that was on me. That, that if I, you know, I'm putting it down now, if I go back in time, I do it different can't go back in time. So next time I'm going to uh, set a timer <laughs> because you can get in a quick rabbit hole. It can take Actually, a can I help time. you with so that really quickly? Timer. Let Please. me help with that really yes. quickly on Instagram. There's a yeah. feature called daily time limit. Okay. So you want to set 15 minutes a day, 30 minutes. Once it comes up, you hit on okay. It doesn't kick you off of Instagram. It tells you, Sarah, you've been on for 15 minutes. So my Instagram timer set for 15. Once 15 minutes comes up, I get the notification. I click on OK. I am off of Instagram for the day. 15 minutes okay. a day maximum. It's, a, it's in the settings. And it was put in there because years ago, Instagram was called by someone in Congress an addictive product. So they very quietly slid in this feature. And it works, but it's not. it doesn't kick you off. It's a discipline. So remember I told you we have to self-regulate. So when that notification comes up, you have to say, I'm done. Goodbye. And the best part yeah. is then you can go back at the end of the week and analyze how much time you spent each and every day on the platform. That could be a different podcast, but that can help you out when it comes to the self-regulation of, you know, your device and social media. Right. The time management, because it, exactly. it can, they, right. It can just spiral down or you're getting back to people. Like I find I get caught up in the DMs and I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm just getting back to, I'll just do this other one really quick. And then that, but yes, no, these are all great reminders. And I think in closing, remembering that those notifications, those interactions are not, and reminding our kids, are not part of your self-worth. Mm -hmm. They are ways to communicate. Yes, they are ways to interact. But if your cell phone dies, if you forget your charger and the battery... <laughs> Right. You can <laughs> that it's it's going to be OK. It is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Take it from a tech guy. It's going to be OK. We can get through without it. Sarah, I can't wait for our next conversation. I can't wait either. And until next time, this is what we know. This is all we know. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Oh, shoot. No, no, we know a bit more. You know, we're, we're parents, wait. too. I'm a dad. Yeah, you're yeah. a mom. We've got some expertise in that. OK. Yeah. We'll wrap Come back for the next podcast. We're going to figure out some more things we know to share with you. See you then. <laughs> See you then.